Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome to the Locked On Flyers podcast for Friday, January 7th, your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis, and high-quality content that kind of feels like Joel Farabee in the tunnel. Oof. Yeah, there was some indecision there, man. Yeah, he was not happy, and he showed his stick exactly how he was feeling. (laughs) Thanks for making us your first listen every day. You can follow us on Twitter at LockdownFlyers to keep up to date on all the Flyers news, our episodes. You can also email the show at LockdownFlyers at gmail.com. I'm Rachel Donner. You can find me on Twitter at rmiriam. I'm here with Russ Cohen, who's on Twitter at Sportsology. On today's show, we're going to talk about last night's Flyers loss to the Pittsburgh Penguins. We're going to get a little bit into like what we can learn from these COVID and injury-related call-ups and what do we think it means, you know, looking into the future toward the trade deadline and the offseason. Locked on Flyers is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, wherever you are listening. So subscribe and you will get all of our episodes here on the Locked on Sports Network. All right, Russ. So we know that coming into this game last night, it was going to be a giant uphill climb given all of the injuries and all of the guys out to COVID. We got, you know, Connor Bonneman called up on the third line. Igor Zamula had his season debut as a second pairing defenseman with Rasmus Ristolainen. <laughs> And uh, I think that nobody really expected them to win this game, but it just felt a lot worse than just that. They did. I I will say this. I knew it would be a tough game, but there was a back-to-back situation for the Penguins, and they had a good game plan. I saw early on what Mike Sullivan was doing was telling his guys, you know what, let's stretch it out. Let's play keep away. Let's let's try and tire them out a bit and make them skate. And they did. And they did that for a large portion of the first period. And I thought that was a good way to neutralize it. It really was. I was actually really impressed by what they did in that first period because you're right. It was a decidedly possession-based game. And the Penguins just managed to get some goals out of it, too. I think, you know, partially due to some defensive failures on the Flyers' part. I think one of those goals Carter Hart might have wanted back. But I I do think that it was a really strong game plan by the Penguins. And and the Flyers played right into their hands. Well, and you have to give one more little tip of the hat. Uh, Chris Letang and Jake Gensel were actually out for interviews, like, live which we don't get much of these days. Uh, Latang said something very poignant. He, he was like, listen, <clears throat> we knew there were a lot of young players in this lineup, but sometimes you can play a lot of young players and, you know, they're playing to impress and get a job and play very hard. So we didn't take that for granted. And they didn't. And some teams might have. It's true. And, you know, we talked on the show yesterday about kind of what to expect and what a potential game plan could look like. And 
I think the Flyers did part of what we talked about to some degree, especially in the second period. I thought that they played, you know, a much more physical game than they normally do because that was the strategy they had to use in order to try to beat this team. And, you know, we we did talk about that Penn's second line and man, <laughs> they were on it once again in this game. And then the other thing we mentioned, which came to fruition, was uh, Brian Rust uh, scoring two on the Flyers in this game. Uh, always seems to be a Flyers killer. And, you know, I have to at least give some of the guys credit for trying. I did think that, you know, at least Fairby was emotional about it. Kevin Hayes clearly laboring, also very emotional and upset about it. And like, I don't think he must have said something wrong to get the 10 minute misconduct because I didn't say anything that he did on the ice otherwise. Yeah, I think he's just hurt. And he can't play the way he wants to. And it's really bothering him. And because he's that guy, he cares so much. And he is so passionate. And when he cannot perform up to his own expectations, that's worse, I think, for him than anybody else's expectations, any of what we would have to say, you know? No, I agree. And look, Cam Atkinson brings it every game. Mm -hmm. You got to give him credit. He's always good. He's not, I don't think I've witnessed really an off game as a flyer for him yet. So always impressive. You know, the, the young guys on D was definitely going to be an issue. Like we knew that I still wasn't crazy about, Braun and York on the top pairing, and I wouldn't do that again if I were them, but, you know, that's up to them. Carter Hart played reasonably well. It's just he knew what he was up against, and I do think he was taking some extra chances. He was definitely a lot more flaily, if that's a real word, than he, he, than he normally is. Like, normally he's positioned really well, or at least in a good stance, and I just thought he was leaping from side to side rather than moving from side to side you know when you know things got a little dicey right in front of the net for him no that's that's fair i mean when um rodriguez made him snow angel i can't mm-hmm. remember the last time carter R. Hart snow angeled honestly no he doesn't do that very often and you know i think you know you're talking about the young guys as well you know, seeing Cam York out there on the penalty kill was like terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I thought Zamula actually looked pretty good at times until that one goal where, mm-hmm. you know, he just couldn't get back. Uh, maybe Ristolainen with him, maybe the communication isn't what you want it to be because they don't know each other. But, you know, at times Zamula looked pretty good, actually. His passing was good, his yes. skating was good. So, you know, you could see that. He is a good option to fill in. Yeah, I think, you know, it kind of proves what we've been saying for a while now, that he seems to be ready to take that next step. And, you know, whether he needs a little bit more time in the AHL, um, it, it shouldn't be a lot of time. That's for sure. And, you know, I do think there is a lot of potential there. So that's a good thing. It's just that these circumstances were not ideal for him to be getting a start, that's for sure. No, but honestly, I, I hope they make some changes. I really would like to see Sandine up and, you know, maybe you, I'm, I just think he should be in the AHL. I do. And maybe they'll make that change. Maybe they won't. 
I don't know. And and the game with, again with Clendenning, they definitely could have used him, but they'll never take Keith Yandel out of the lineup. So then it would be one of the young guys that would have to back, go back down. But honestly, it might be the best thing for him because having the two young guys, it did sort of have flashbacks of a year ago when guys weren't quite ready with Myers and such. And, you know, it happens. You know, this team just needs to get healthy in more ways than one. Yeah. And, you know, Mike Yo said after the game that it was really more the compete level that he was worried about than the X's and O's. And, you know, he has a fair point there that, you know, regardless of your circumstances, there's a way to play that shows that you're going to be in this game and that they didn't do that. Even if they would have still lost, there could have been ways to show they were more in this game. Yeah, no question. I mean, had they had a better third period, you might have been able to say that too. Yeah, well, I appreciate you calling in post-game from the Wells Fargo Center, and we'll be... uh, having our conversation coming up next about, you know, what do we learn from this? And I I think that, you know, there's a lot there and uh, we'll be getting to that coming up next. It's the new year and that means New Year's resolutions. And if yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure to include Bilt Bar in your plan. Bilt Bar is the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. And honestly, I think it's even better than a candy bar. Bilt Bar makes it so much easier to stick to your resolution because it tastes so good. You know, the other protein bars, sometimes they taste chalky or a little chemically, but Built Bars are delicious. They are covered in 100% real chocolate, so you can throw out all of your sugary or calorie-filled treats and replace them with Built Bars. Your typical Built Bar has 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. And there are so many great flavors to choose from. They've got coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, raspberry cookies and cream, salted caramel, mint brownie, so many more. In fact, Built is always coming out with new limited time flavors to try. So check out Built.com often to see what's new. And while you're there, use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Once again, thanks for making Locked On Flyers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all of your favorite podcasting platforms. All right, Russ. So with all of the turmoil due to COVID and injuries on this team, the Flyers have gotten a little creative in their lineup because they've had to, right? Oh, yeah. And I was wondering if we could look at their choices and what they're doing in terms of the call-ups, in terms of line combinations, And can we prognosticate into the future what we think the Flyers might be thinking going into the trade deadline and into next season? So the first thing I was thinking about in in terms of, you know, looking at the players and the prospects and, and how the depth chart is stacked, like who could and should make the roster next season, um, 
as opposed to maybe filling in that slot in free agency. So I think, you know, the first guy you want to look at, obviously, is Morgan Frost, um, mm-hmm. especially because he's an RFA. So it'll be easy to tender him a qualifying offer, right? But does he have a solid position potentially in this lineup for next year? I think he does. I I wouldn't go long, long term right now because you still need to see more. But give him a three-year deal. I mean, I, I would do that. And at least that way... By the end of that deal, you know. If you go seven years now and you get it wrong, then you got it wrong. So I think, you know, I don't think they want to do that. So I think based on everything, go three years, there's definitely a spot for them. I think you're right there. I think a bridge deal, you know, for, I don't know, in the two million range, maybe? Two and a half. Yeah, is, is about right for Morgan Frost. And I do think that he has proven that he can hang at this level and might be a quality option uh, as opposed to maybe signing a more expensive free agent. Right. I agree with that. All right. So the next tier of people is the guys that Chuck Fletcher signed as depth forwards for this year. So they they were on one-year deals. So that's Derek Broussard, Jerry Mayhew, and Nate Thompson. Gone, gone, gone. Mm-hmm. 100% no reason, agree. No reason to keep any of them. I like Broussard as a guy a lot. Uh, and Thompson's a good guy, but Thompson has just been getting slower and slower. And Broussard now with this hip thing, that's the beginning of the end, too, with a lot of older players, like when that starts acting up. So, nope. I mean, I think it's worth continuing to have Mayhew on the Phantoms, but I don't yes. think you use him as anybody that you depend on for a call-up. No, I mean, I give him an AHL-only deal. That's mm-hmm. it. Yeah, I, I think that's fine. You know, he's new to the Phantoms this year. It's not like he has a long-term history with the team, although he does with Chuck Fletcher. But I, I think that, you know, that's exactly what you do. You offer him an AHL contract, and if he doesn't want it, you let him walk. Yep. All right, so the next couple of names are pretty interesting because uh, sort of semi-related to this, there was uh, a little tidbit on the Jeff Merrick show related to the Flyers where Elliot Friedman suggested that the possibility of Giroux being traded at the trade deadline was much stronger than it had been. And he also brought up Ivan Provorov as a potential asset to trade at the deadline, which I thought was the more surprising. I think the Giroux thing is, you know, an old conversation that keeps getting recycled. And, you know, it's an important one, but it's nothing new. I think the Provorov aspect of it was, I think, a little jarring. Well, I think it's jarring because I just don't see anything behind it. I haven't heard anything. I don't get that feeling. Uh, it's a reasonable contract. Like, I, I just, the replacement value on Ivan Provorov would be way higher, especially the way the, that defensemen are. So why in the world would I do that when I already know what he can do? If you're going to, you know, concentrate on what he can't do, that's fine. But you still, you know what he is. And there is still a chance he'll get a little better. I know people are saying so he's sort of stuck in the mud, and I, I, I may not disagree with that. But in the end of the day, I got to keep this guy here. I mean, even if for some reason your defense gets so much better that you could put him on the second pairing, which I don't foresee, I, I, you know, he's making 6.7. That is not expensive for the kind of minutes he gives you. So, no. 
Yeah, I agree with you there. You know, you look at all the top defensive contracts that have been handed out over the last couple of years, and they're all in the $9 million range. And so for what you're getting with Ivan Provorov at 6.75, I think, you know, he obviously isn't playing up to his best or what we think is his best right now. But I just think that he does have that constant potential and he gives you the minutes, like you said. And for that price, I just I don't see the reason to make a deal like that now. I agree. All right, continuing on the defensive side of things, uh, there are a lot of UFAs on the uh, blue line for the Flyers, which, you know, makes you wonder, like, what you're left with and how you fill that in. So uh, right now, Ristolainen, Braun, Yandel, Connaughton, Sealer, and Clendenning. So some of your active roster guys, some of your depth Phantoms guys. But right now, I think think if I have looked at this correctly, Provorov, Ellis, Sandheim, and York are the only ones under contract. Well, I guess Zamula is too. Yeah, Zamula is too. In terms of your like your top guys, those are the five that you have. And Ellis is a giant question mark in terms of health. What do you think like it, that the Flyers defense looks like going into next season? Well, I think everybody you mentioned uh will play for the most part in Philly. I think York and Zamula, unless they start off the season poorly, are going to be there too. I I look at it and I say, yeah, I would bring back Clendenning on a cheap deal and I might give him a two-way deal. Uh, I'm not bringing back Sealer. There's no reason to bring back Sealer. I'll bring back Connaughton on like a cheap two-year deal if he wants because at least he's shown that I may have a spot for him. But again, if York and Zamula work out, Connaughton's like the extra. And that's fine, too. So what about Ristolainen? Risto, yeah. That's the one where I am trying to sign him. And I will give him an offer of, because he's making like 5.4, I'll give him like a little over six for four or five years. And, and if he wants that, then you keep him in the fold. If he doesn't want that, then whoever I make the trade to for Risto I need to get back a replacement value defenseman in that deal. I really think the Flyers need to figure out what they're going to do with him by trade deadline. Yes. Because they cannot let him walk away without getting something in return. No, because, I mean, you could you could get a first or you could get, like, a good player with a little term and a pick for him. And if that, you know, if you have that defenseman for the next two years, let's say, then that's fine. That's something where they could work with that and it won't kill them cap-wise. So that's what I think they should look for, something to that effect. I agree with you there. So that that does give you like six defensemen, but you'll mm-hmm. still need to have more depth. Um, yeah, you, are, you always get somebody out there. Yeah, because right now, if you look at you know prospects beyond that on the depth chart, uh, Linus Hogberg is the only defenseman that's an RFA. Right. And who knows? You know, they... They might sign him cheap or they might walk away from him too. Mm-hmm. Um, but as an example, Robert Hogg's a UFA. I'll, st- I'll still bring him back on a one-year deal if nobody wants him. He probably will go somewhere else. But I'll, that level of defenseman, right. that's, all you, that's all you need. Hopefully. You can get those guys cheap. <laughs> well, I mean, yes, if everything else goes to plan, I- I'm guessing Ristolainen wants to stay. I just mm-hmm. don't get the feeling he wants to necessarily be on the market 
only because he's fit in so well here. He's got he's had no static from the fans, mm-hmm. which is something that you know he hadn't <laughs> he hasn't been used to for years. So I I do feel like they could sway him. We are going to talk a little bit more about this on the forward side and get into our gritty thing of the week, which is always a nice way to end the show and the week for all of us here at Locked On Flyers. You could always bet that gritty will be interesting. Bet Online would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue to our march to the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. New year and a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code Locked On to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. So continuing our conversation about all of the call-ups and various roster machinations the Flyers have had to do because of injuries and COVID, uh, where does this leave us in terms of our look at the future You know, on the forward side? I think this is a bigger question than the defense. It is. So Wade Allison, you're still going to keep. You're going to, you know, you're going to give him a couple of years and you're going to hope he's not injured every year. Uh, Lisinski, you're going to keep. Same thing, a couple of years, hope he doesn't get hurt again because he could really play in the lineup next year if he doesn't. Obviously, so could Allison. Radcliffe? Yeah, I probably have to just give him something short term and and hope for the best with that. Shushko, who knows? They may end up trading him. Rupstoff is he's gone. Like they'll trade him if he's if he has no value, they probably walk away from him. I just feel like they're probably done with him. And Sandine, he probably goes back overseas if he never gets used. You're right on Sandine that if he doesn't get like a commitment that he's gonna at least get a shot with the Flyers for next season, he goes back to Europe. Yeah. There, there's no point in him sticking around or he, you know, you know, especially because he is an RFA. Right. So, mm-hmm. you know, he's kind of stuck dealing with the qualifying offer and they may give it to him to kind of lock him in in terms of his rights and all of that. So, yeah, maybe you know, they could maybe negotiate a trade to another team. But um, I, I don't see that happening just because they seem to like him. I think they could just put him on loan to overseas, yeah. too. And, and just yeah. prolong it that way. I just wonder, looking at, you know, the, those other names. I think you're right about Wade Allison. I have questions about Tanner Lozinski. Um, just because, again, I don't know what's happening with Noah Cates either. If they're going to try and, you know, negotiate something with him. Well, he's playing in the Olympics. We know that. Maybe. Maybe. Well, now he's on the list. Yes. If he agrees, he's playing. Right. Right. He'll That's agree, saying, by the way. Maybe. He's won national championships. He, he's, he'll agree. You know, I do think that there is a question with Tanner Lisinski. I'm not 100% sure on him whether they'll, they'll keep him around. But those other guys, I think, you know, Sushko, Rubsoff, Ratcliffe, I think they're ultimately replaceable. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that Chuck Fletcher has any attachment to any of them. And so I don't know that he'll give them qualifying offers. 
Maybe, I think... Maybe Ratcliffe, because of his size, you give him one more chance. I could see that. Honestly, Lisinski, the reason I'm telling you I would do it with Lisinski, watching him play in college is he can really play center or the wing. He was playing really well in camp. Even after the early going of that recovery for the hip surgery, he looked really good. He fit in really well. So I do feel like if they feel like he's fully recovered, there's no reason not to bring him back. That's just my feeling. You could be right there. How about the goaltending depth? Mm. Well, I mean, Ustamenko, I still think they'll keep around. Sandstrom could be the backup next year in, in Philly. He I mean, I, I think there's a good chance of that. And so, and that would save him against the cap. So if they did that, then that would leave them room to bring in like a well, yeah, one more goalie because Ustamenko would be your number one. And, and, and hopefully Urson is healthy. And that's uh, Urson, that's who I was leaving out. Yeah, Urson yeah. should be there. He's probably the number one, and Ustamenko battles him for the job. So, yeah, that actually, I could see it working out exactly that way. Sandstrom will definitely get the qualifying offer. Yes. Ustamenko is a question, but likely just because they'll keep him at the ECHL level, if nothing else. Yeah. Um, and then Urson hopefully will be a solid Phantoms goaltender next year. Yeah, because I, I still think Urson has good upside. So I yeah. think, and, and I think they feel that way too. I do. The injury, injury derailed them this year. Well, we'll see if any of our predictions are correct here, but it's certainly uh, something we should be keeping close watch on, you know, as they're making all these adjustments and who are they trying out and what slots. Wrapping up with our gritty thing of the week, uh, not much. There's, you know, a couple things to catch up on just because we did not have a show last Friday, but there was one Christmas-related TikTok that I thought was delightful um, with Gritty at a shopping mall, mm-hmm. you know, pretending to be sort of a statue version of Gritty mm-hmm. and turning out to be actually Gritty and scaring people, and I always enjoy things like that. Yeah, that's always fun. Even though I'm not a big fan of Gritty, I'm a fan of that, so I can live with it. <laughs> um, and then the other thing was, you know, for New Year's, Gritty put together a year in review. Did Gritty put it together? Really, well, Rachel? The Gritty team put oh, it together. Okay. There you go. And it made me think of all of the really fun, gritty moments we had over the course of 2021. And a lot of them we talked about on this show. We I did. appreciate how many uh, cake throws are in there. You know, there's playing with Drake. There's the Star Wars night. Mm-hmm. You know, there was the Gritty 5K. There was mm-hmm. one of my personal favorites was when Gritty got a painting or a portrait done of it. Was, at, it was a good a bit. It was a good bit, but they it was a little too drawn out. But it was a good bit for a while. Very I drawn agree. out. Come on, Russ. I right, listen. What can I tell you? <laughs> All right. But yeah, so many good moments. There was some stuff from Lake Tahoe in there as well, which, you know, the game was a disaster, but the gritty content was fantastic. Yes, I remember. Yeah. Sometimes gritty does have to rescue uh, the fans from the game. Sometimes. Sometimes. All right. One more quick thing. Adding a Flyers fun thing. We don't usually do this on Fridays with gritty thing of the week, but there was such a, a fun thing that I thought we would sneak it in here. And there's a actually an Instagram story from Bryce Harper 
on the Phillies, um, suggesting that they remake an iconic Philadelphia sports photo mm-hmm. that originally had uh, Ron Jaworski and Dr. J, and I believe that's Pelly Lindbergh. Pelly Lindbergh and Tug McGraw, yeah. And Tug McGraw, yeah. So, you know, at the top of the art museum steps. That hurts me, though, because, you know, Tug was a Met first. But actually, I did root for Tug to win when he was with the Phillies. I will never root for the Phillies again, but I was rooting (laughs) for Tug McGraw. That's just a fact. But I like the picture idea. It's a good – I think the only problem is – should be in it, though? So Bryce suggested Joel Embiid, Bryce Harper, obviously himself, because Carter Hart and Jalen Hurts. Bryce is saying that is he assuming that Giroux is gone because if Giroux's still here, it should. I think he just picked the goalie because it was the I, goalie. In the yeah, picture. but I, I I get away from that. I would because the star value in that picture there isn't as good as the star value that it would be today. Because even though Embiid's a really good player, he still gets injured a lot, right? So he's no Doctor J, but. You put in beat, you, you know, you're mm-hmm. obviously not going to put 100%, Ben Simmons. 100%. And, and Harper's Harper. So that's, you know, Harper's a bigger star than Tug McGraw was. So that's fine. Um, Jalen Hurts is fine because I think in the end, he's a really good guy. Whether he's a really good quarterback, we'll find out. But I don't think you have to stick with the goalie. I think they went with the goalie at that time because he was the most charismatic guy. But I think in this case, if you want a real star power, you go with Giroux. Because even if Giroux leaves he still has left the mark on the city like these other guys. I mean, I agree with you conceptually. I just think, to me, you just stick with the goalie because to make a matching picture. I don't know. I think it would be fun. Yeah, I'm all for that stuff. I like it. All right, that'll do it for today's show. We will be back again on Monday. We're going to talk about the weekend game against the San Jose Sharks, wrapping up that season series against the Sharks. And, of course, we'll have our nemesis of the week. As a reminder, we always want to hear from you. Send us in your mailbag questions via Twitter at Flyers, or you can email us at LockdownFlyers at gmail.com. I am Rachel. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. I'm Russ at Sportsology, S-P-O-R-T-S-O-L-O-G-Y. You made us your first listen today. Now make your second listen, Locked on Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked on Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. Have a great weekend, everyone.